Persons under 18 will not be admitted. Every 10 or 15 years, a film is produced that is so overwhelming, so forceful in its impact, that it becomes deeply embedded in the mind. Set, God damn it. Okay. Hi, everybody. I'm Mark Dodson. <laughs> You're listening to Still Talking With. Hi, this is Steve Wallace, and we're seeing Kuzhou, and you're listening to Still Talking With. Welcome to the podcast. Follow us to the new revolution. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. We have very active lifestyles. It's not all wandering the countryside aimlessly or scaring passing motorists. And we all love a good cup of joe. And there's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds Coffee is my guilty pleasure. Bold, robust, delicious. It's coffee that can wake the dead. (laughs) With over a dozen different roasts and flavors, Deadly Grounds can satisfy the most finicky of coffee addicts. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. Hey, hey, happy Wednesday, everybody. You're watching Still Token With. My name is Leo. I'm the monkey behind the keyboard here. We have an awesome show scheduled for you, as always. And uh, with that, Benjamin, how's it going? Um, It's going. It's going. Still recovering, man. That was a long weekend. Oh, I know. You say that with such enthusiasm. Well, you know, I, I am enthused. I mean, Billy and Brian put on a killer show. You know, we uh, we had the live media panels all weekend long for all you viewers. And, um, you know, I'm super psyched to do it all again in what, seven days? <laughs> <laughs> We're not even fully recovered from the last one. <laughs> right, right. God. So, yeah, you heard us right, folks. Uh, you know, this is this show's tonight. We're not going to have a show next Wednesday, but next Friday, Saturday, and Sunday will be broadcasting live from Tidewater Horror Convention in Norfolk, Virginia. So make sure you tune in. Wait, Friday, Saturday? What? No. Yes. Yes. No. Yes. We Jeffrey, go in, we go I'm going to have to teach. Hey, hey. I'm going to have hey. to teach him how to push the buttons. <laughs> Me, your, your, your the counterpart there. To, no, well, the only buttons I know how to push are my wives. <laughs> yeah. You know. <laughs> right. Right. Maybe Ben's every once in a while. Yeah, maybe. So, <clears throat> But I, I wanted to add in on the uh, – it was a great weekend down in Maryland. Uh, if you missed any of those uh, live panels, they are available, so you can go back and watch them. Right, Ben? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. So just go to uh, – you can go to our page, uh, Talking with the Dead, and they should be archived in there. Uh, there was a lot of great stuff going on, uh, Tony Moran. Uh, Tanaka, is it Tanaka? 
Uh, who else do we have there? Yeah. Uh, Narnar. Yeah. Narnar. All right. But, but who do we have? So anyway, who do we have? Let's, uh, let's get it on, uh, tonight. Let's welcome, uh, John Bukowski author. Uh, I'm so excited, uh, to hear how you came into doing this kind of thing, to be honest with you. Great. Glad to talk, but thanks for having me. I was enjoying your intro too. It's uh, it's as entertaining as the show, I think. It's at <laughs> <laughs> uh, the theater just before the double monster feature. Uh, John, you're coming through a, a little lighter. Are you uh, further away from the microphone? I am. Let me try uh, increasing volume. How's that? I think it's a little better. That's, That's better. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he was watching Excellent. the intro. He, he was watching the intro. We thought he was at the theater, so he took a seat back like this. He was getting comfortable. Yeah. He, he had his popcorn. He was ready to go. Going to get my juju bees. There you go, juju bees. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I haven't seen those in a long time. Right, That's guaranteed to take a filling out. Oh yes, it will, or a loose tooth. Right. <laughs> so, but so um, yeah, let's get right into it. You. Yeah. Uh, your most recent book is called Project Suicide, correct? Correct. Well, now, when did you finish that? Uh, that was published in the middle of May, came out in the middle of May, so I probably finished it, oh, about uh, eight months ago or so. Okay. And probably started it about a year and a half before that. So it's a process. Oh, yeah. Yes. A lot of people think. Uh, writers go off to a mountaintop retreat, they write for a month, they send it to the publisher, and that's it. Uh, generally takes, at least for me, and I know for a lot of other people, takes about two, two and a half years from first starting it to uh, actually getting it in print. Yep, yeah, because mm -hmm. I think we're going on three years with ours. Jeffrey? Yeah, something like that, yep. Three years? Hopefully it'll be out by the end of the year, so... Yeah, um, it takes a while. Or but, if you're George R. R. Martin, it takes what a uh, couple lifetimes. Yeah. <laughs> very good, yeah. very good, very good. I I know we're gonna get into the book and what it's all about, but I I do have a question because, like I said, Jeff and I are both writers as well. Um, do you find when you're writing that you need to? Do you have a happy place or a place of solitude where you like to write? Um, I have written several different places. There was a, I had an office in our place in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, I'm, this office here is good for writing. Uh, as long as it's quiet and comfortable, uh, yeah. that's good for me. I need a computer. I don't really write longhand or, uh, typewriter or anything like that. Right. Uh, right. Be a word processor. And, uh, so yeah, that works for me. Just need the, the, the quiet time, need a few hours in the morning to do it. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, the reason I ask is because I like to do a lot of writing. Um, like you said, it has to be quiet, but I do a lot of my writing when I'm up at Jeff's camp in the middle of the woods on a lake at the picnic table. But I actually sit there and write it out longhand, and then I come home and type it. What? And, oh, yeah, and then, I sent, and then I send it to Jeff as one long sentence with no punctuation. <laughs> Everybody has a method, you know. I'm, I'm always amazed that people like uh, one of my influences is Hemingway. That was back in the day when you'd actually write stuff out longhand, 
or on the typewriter and have to make an edit by putting a, a line through something, a circle around something else, an arrow down to the bottom, then the arrow picked up to go to the next, you know, it's like, <laughs> wow, and he managed 4,000 words a week. <laughs> right. You know, well, that's my editing process because I circle things. I put the arrows. I yeah. use a red pen. Yeah. And then he retypes so I guess, it off. I guess I'm old school. Yeah. Everybody has a process. Now, uh, you mentioned word processor. Do you use any uh, partic uh, particular software like Scrivener or anything like that? Just Microsoft Word. Okay. And, uh, you know, spell checker. Right. That's, yeah, that's important. That's important. <laughs> Usually it helps. But, uh, and then good editors are good too. They'll pick up a lot of stuff. Yeah, Jeff. Yep. Good editors. We even miss stuff. <laughs> yeah. We still miss stuff. Well, and it's hard too. You, as an author, you know, maybe you've, maybe you've revised it five times, but it's still you looking at it. Each time you revise it, you try to have fresh eyes, take a little break beforehand. Right. Uh, do other things. But it's still you looking at it. And you need the reader to be looking at it. And the closest mm -hmm. to that is a good editor. They will see it as the reader sees it. And they'll have the, a professional editor will have the savvy to know how to change it, you know, and what it means. This, this slows it up. It may be a good turn of phrase, but it slows it up, get rid of it, that kind of thing. Right. Good point. Good point. So, uh, pro uh, Project Suicide, uh, Suicide, I was reading the, the, um, the sample text. And uh, would you consider that, is it uh, a political thriller, a mystery? How would you define it? I would call it a, primarily a techno thriller in the vein of a Michael Crichton or a Robin Cook, you know, Jurassic mm -hmm. Park, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a little bit of technical material in there. Uh, you could call it a political thriller. But the politics is simply uh, what Hitchcock would call the MacGuffin. It what drives it forward, but there's real no political bent to it. Uh, it's more in like the John Lecaire fashion or Frederick Forsyth or something. It's government entities, no, poli no uh, political parties or anything really. Right. Um, and I don't want people to get nervous about the idea that it has some technical material because the technical material that is there is well explained. I have a, a lot of my writing history has been in uh, consumer handbooks and other things, turning science into something people can understand. And more importantly, there's just enough technical material to sweeten it, to sell the lie. Because as a writer, as a, as a fiction writer, you're a liar. You're making stuff up. Just like a con man, you want people to believe you. So you have to add that nugget of truth. Then they can say, wow, that's right. This guy knows. And then they buy the rest of it. Wow. Valid point. Oh, I liked sure. that. that. Yeah, that was well well explained, actually. <laughs> For all well, our... I'm here all week. <laughs> so uh, I'm wondering... Um... It takes, you know, like you said, you know, a year and a half or however long it takes to actually, you know, write this book. It goes through the editing. It finally gets printed and published. And when you receive the copy of the book for yourself, do you actually read it? Um, I did not. I will read parts of it. Like, for example, I'm doing a book club uh, a 
reading and uh, speaking this week. Uh, I'll read parts of it, but as far as reading it, I won't go back and read the whole thing once it's published. I'm mo- I've moved on to other stuff. I just sent uh, a new book to the publisher, uh, and I'm working on a uh, sequel to Project Suicide, about 14,000 words into that. So you always have something in the pipeline. Right, I like right. to think of it as it has to be two things, writing, at least for me. It has to be, you have to be professional about it. You have to do it every day or almost every day. You have to have that discipline. Mm-hmm. I've heard people say, and this is this really strikes uh, strikes home to me, plumbers never have plumber's block. You know, you've got to do the work. Uh, and uh, so you have to treat it as a professional. You always have to have something in the pipeline. But it has to be a, a hobby that you love. Otherwise, you really couldn't do it. It's this lot of time spent doing something that you only get intermittent return down the road you know it's the industry where there's a lot of rejection all writers have had a lot of rejection whether you're stephen king or james patterson or or whoever and so you have to have that love of doing it it's almost like an addiction if i don't do it it doesn't feel right okay yeah because i I, you know i i know that you know we've talked to a number of uh you know actors and stuff and a lot of them, they don't go back and watch the movies that they're in. No, well, I've, I've, I've done stage work, uh, uh, both in community and regional theater in New Jersey and Ohio. And I hate to watch, like, if somebody videos a performance, I don't like to watch it. Because right. even if you did a good job at it, you look at it and it doesn't, it's not right to you. Right. Uh, even if it felt great when you were doing the performance. So, yeah, I can see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. and also when you've got a book in front of you, if you see a mistake or you see something you would have done differently, there's nothing you can do about it at that point. It's right. It's it's written, so uh, you know that's uh, old water under the bridge kind of thing. Right. Yep. No, nope, totally agree with that. Cool. Now you uh, you mentioned that you did a lot of. Uh... Um, technical writing back in the day. Yeah. My writer's journey is a little different for most people. A lot of people have English majors and they get an MFA or whatever. I was a science major. Uh, I liked my reading and uh, English and writing courses in school. And I've always loved to read a lot. But I pursued a degree in veterinary medicine. Mm -hmm. And I practiced small animal medicine in Michigan for about seven years and uh, transition from that into doing research, looking at the causes for disease. I got a master's and a, and a doctorate in public health after that in epidemiology, which thanks to COVID, most people know what it is. Uh, I got tired of explaining to people that it was not skin doctor. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I went to do that. And then when I was, uh, I noticed that as I was doing my research, I was like about 20 years uh, in industry and uh, government, I noticed I was researching less and writing more. My employers liked my writing and wanted me to write more, and I was enjoying it. And the more I wrote, the more I wanted to write. So I transitioned from that to contract medical writing. So I write wow. journal articles and uh, uh, advertorials, advertising copy. Uh, consumer handbooks, website content, uh, radio scripts. 
I read a whole bunch of things, all being medical, technical vein. And I was, that was going good until the Great Recession hit. And so around 2008, 2009, a lot of my business dried up. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was actually a blessing in disguise because my wife was still working, so we had the income coming in, and I had time. And I said I always like to read, avid reader. Most avid readers think they have a book in them. And that was one of my dreams is to write a novel. So I buckled down and about six, eight months, I finished a draft of my first novel. And that was thrilling. I enjoyed the heck out of doing it. And uh, that's still sitting in a drawer somewhere. We'll probably never see <laughs> the right light of day. What some <laughs> would call a trunk novel. But I was hooked. And even as business picked up with my medical writing, I kept doing some fiction writing, submitting short stories, started a couple more novels. And finally, about six years ago or so, I said, I'm going to do this full time. And a bunch of drafts of different books later, I got one published. And that's quite awesome. awesome. So that's quite that's quite the journey. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's wow. a hell of so a the um, having that that veterinarian background kind of a thing, uh, how does that influence uh, the stories and and the the content of what you're writing now, or does it even do, does it even influence? Well, I think you know, in the vein of write what you know, there's a reason that the some of the best techno thrillers like Jurassic Park and Andromeda Strain and Coma were written by physicians because just like some of the best courtroom dramas are written by lawyers. Uh, mm -hmm. you, you write what you know, you already have an authenticity to your writing. Mm -hmm. And you're able to do the research. Like I said, it's not there's there's not a huge amount of research. Uh, certainly, I looked up things about genetics and things like that. But you typically do a lot more research than you put in the book. Because if you make the mistake of saying, everything I looked up, I want to make sure it gets in the book, you're going to have a training manual or something. You're not going to have a novel. That's not the point of a novel. The point of a novel is to hook the reader with, the, with a little bit of truth, a little bit of facts, maybe a little bit of education, and pull them in that way so they can follow the story and enjoy the ride with you. I remember Michael Crichton once was quoted, he was asked, uh, before you wrote Jurassic Park, did you spend weeks at a genetic research lab to get you know, research for the book? And he said, why would I do that? They can't make a dinosaur either. Right. It's fiction. You're making it up. <laughs> right. <laughs> True that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you can't argue with that point. I'm sorry. You know, you know it's, uh, like I said, it's like with a con man. You want people to get to that last page, and it's like walking in the guy's office, and now it's nothing but papers and, and empty cubicles. You know, right. he's, he's done his job. He's moved on. Uh, you, you you want them to buy into the story, right? Even though they have to suspend some disbelief to do it. Leo, where can they find this amazing gentleman's work? Well, you can definitely check the show notes up above or down below, depending on where you're watching or listening to us. And uh, if you're interested in Project Suicide, I have a link to it right in the top of the show notes. So uh, right under or above this video is going to be the first link. Uh, just click it, and it's available on Amazon, uh, Prime, Kindle, uh, just about everywhere, right? 
Yep, you can also find it if you if you if you went to Barnes and Noble or anything like that, they can order it for you. It's on Ingram, the big book distributor. So nice. it's not, I mean, most people are going to buy it on Amazon, but uh, you can find it anywhere, really. Nice, nice. It's available in uh, uh, hardback, paperback, and Kindle. Kindle's very reasonable. And are you going to do a uh, audiobook? Not an audiobook yet. We've talked about it, but not an audiobook yet. I don't know. There's something I know. I know a bunch of people that do the audiobooks. I, I tried, but to me, I just I want to hold a book, and I just want to read it. Yeah, a lot of people talk about they'll ask, "What do you like, paper books or Kindle?" And I got to say, I like both. Although I'm a little bit old school, it's nicer to feel the the uh, the paper. But mm-hmm. with a Kindle, you can put an entire library on something this big uh, and carry it around with you on vacation or whatever. So it's it's great in that way. They both have their pros and cons. A paper mm-hmm. book never runs out of charge, for example. <laughs> Right at right at the best part too, right? Right, right. So <laughs> Okay, I could see that. Oh yeah. Now, you know, I mean I'm I'm I consider myself a semi avid reader. My problem is, you know, I'm so busy, but when I find a book that I like, I don't do anything but read and finish that book. That's good. Yeah. You know what I mean? So other stuff gets left behind and I get yelled at from people. Well, well, I'll give you you the log line for Project Suicide, and you'll see if you want to do that with it. It's a a story of how a cure for Alzheimer's disease is perverted into an assassination drug. Now high-profile politicians are killing themselves, and only a drunken genius can save them and the country. So if that sounds interesting to you, 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 you might want to start reading. It sounds like there's a little bit of fact into that station, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I was waiting for that one. I was waiting um, for that one. Now, so, how, uh, how long is the book? I think it's 314, 315 pages, something like that, in paperback. No, okay. All right, so that's not bad. So, yeah, it's not a, it's not a huge – it's no Stephen King 800-pager uh, – or George R. R. Martin. Uh, it's a quick read. It's a uh, it's a thriller. You know, thrillers typically are not as long as uh, uh, a lot of books, like like again, like Stephen King. Right, 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 right. But the now, basic... uh, how much time per day do you devote to uh, writing? Uh usually in the neighborhood of between one and a half and three hours in the mornings. Typically in the mornings. People usually write in the mornings or in the evenings. I'm a morning writer. Um, and that's another, I think, myth about writing is that people think, wow, you just sit down and all day long you're writing and writing and writing. And I don't know if any writer can do that. Most writers have a word count. Uh, mine is usually somewhere between 700 and 1,100 words a day. Uh, some days more, some days less. Stephen King is 2,000 a day, you know, but he's, he's phenomenal. Right. Uh, some people do four or 500 a day. Uh, or you may set a certain amount of time aside, one, two, three hours. But you really can't creatively do more than that. You kind of go into brain overload. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I was going to say that. In the afternoon, I'll be doing promotion stuff, or I'll be submitting a short story, or uh, something like, or watching an old movie. Uh, 
<laughs> I, you can see behind me here, there's a lot of videos and there's more over here. I'm an old movie buff. And uh, so, yeah, that's, okay. uh, that's about it for me. I would say about about two, maybe three hours a day. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. I, usually, I usually write till my hand and my brain hurt. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, uh, you can only do so much, really. And I found right. it true with I was doing medical writing, too. You know, you can't work all day and be creative with it. Uh, actually crafting something. Right. Wow. Now, somebody had, somebody had given us uh, some advice a while back. Uh, you know, I was talking to somebody who says, uh, oh, I don't got the time to write a book. I just can't dedicate enough time to that. Blah, 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 blah. And, uh, she came back and said, don't look at it as you're writing an entire book all at once. Write one page a day. Right. And, and, that's, and that's true. If you think about it, if you write even just 500 words a day, with a 80,000 word book, that's only 160 days. That's only right. five months to get right. the first draft. And uh, there's this crazy thing that some people try to do called, you've heard of it, NaNoWriMo. You try to write an entire book in the month of November. Uh, <laughs> why they chose November, I don't know. <laughs> but you try to write an entire draft in the month of November. And I've never, done that kind of stuff for me that's it puts unnecessary stress on yourself and you can't possibly produce anything that that's good i mean not when you're rushing through like that right um, right so so it's it's you're right it's a process and it's that dedication a little bit every day and over time you you have a draft over longer time you have revisions and something that's publishable Now, how many uh, how many revisions did uh, Project Suicide go through before it was finally put to print? Well, if, if you include like the final proof stage, uh, which is not really a revision, it's more than just checking everything, but probably be about seven. Uh, okay. And uh, you know, there's the first one, and you let it sit for a while. First draft, you let it sit for a while. Maybe send it off to some other people you trust, beta readers, and say, "What do you think?" To catching your attention, does it have problems, holes, whatever? Uh, they give it back to you, revise again. A few more weeks go by, you're doing other things, you revise it again. So after like four or five revisions, while you're working on other projects uh, in between time, it's ready to go to an editor. And okay. that's something else that people don't. I know. I know some people uh, who you know who self-publish. I'm through a small. I'm publishing through a small press. Uh, some people self-publish, and they don't bother with an editor. They don't want to pay for a professional editor, or they give it to their buddy to edit. You know, editing is really important, and like I said, it requires that professional to see it the way the reader sees it and know how to fix things, what to change, uh, how to increase the flow or speed it up or whatever. Uh, and those people are professional. They cost money. Yeah, they do. <laughs> and speaking of costing money, uh, we're about we're about at that time for the commercial break. Uh, if I can find the right Let's button, go to the lobby. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Get your juju bees. Yeah, we need, uh, we need okay. the, uh, the, uh, the hot dog and popcorn dancing across the stage. <laughs> 
Uh, mm. Just the one we got today or the uh, episode one commercial or sample? You can play them both. Okay. That's fine. Well, uh, so as you know, we uh, just got back from Maryland Pop and Horror Con, but just in seven, I think Ben said seven days. I don't think it's well, seven days. I think Je- his math is off. Jeff and I we leave, leave in seven, seven days. Okay. You leave in eight days. The show is in nine days. Okay. It opens but a week I, from Friday. Well, but I say seven days because we have to go down Wednesday okay, to make okay, sure okay. everything's ready to go. Enough, enough. Tidewater Horror Convention. Here we are. That's going to be in a little over a week. And uh, Ben and Jeff have uh, something cool they want to show you. Here we go. Hey, dude, I need a fucking break, man. Wah, wah, wah. All you do is cry. Fucking hiking for hours. Oh, there's a bench over there. Let's go take a seat. I ain't going to sit on that. You know how much ass has been on that bench? I'm going to sit on this rock. All right, sit on the rock. So, uh, what the fuck are we gonna do now? Fucking get high? Yeah, I like that idea. Hey. Hey, look over there behind those trees. The fuck is that? Isn't that that fucking ugly zombie that you fucking got stolen? He stole our weed? Let's go get it. Hey, man, watch out for the one on the fence! Fuck! Jesus, they're everywhere. Piper! Where is she when you need her? She's probably pissing behind a fucking tree. Oh! (laughs) Take that, ants. Piss all over your home. Alright, so, I'm high. There's a dead zombie over there now. Yeah, I see him. Well, I guess. You ready to start hiking again? Ugh, not really. Where the fuck are we going? That way. That way. That way. Alright. Hi, Bob! Did you girls miss me? 
<laughs> you need to cut the uh, the what like twenty seconds of blackness at the end of that. I didn't put it out. <laughs> I'll have to call the animator. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good cut. I just figured you'd stop it. I think I got a contact buzz off that. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a fun little thing that we wanted to play around with. Kind of goes along with the comic and book story, the comic and novel story and uh, the TV series. Yep. So, and now animation. So Now, is there going to be an extended version coming out or... uh... That's what we're hoping. That's the that's the game plan. Okay, we'll see. That's a that's a little two minute teaser thing, you know. So back to our amazing guest. Enough about us. Yes. <laughs> uh, so you said you write um, you write short stories too. Yeah, I've gotten about eight published. Uh, last year was my best year. I think I had five published. Wow. Uh, short stories are a little different animal. Uh, a lot of people say, uh, you know, writing short stories, does that help you write a novel? Well, yes and no. The structure is very different. Uh, short stories are a quick hitter kind of thing where novels are a long-term thing. But it does help you learn to write. You know, you're writing short stories. You, uh, they're quicker to write, quicker to revise. Uh, you pick up more things on writing structure, flow, that kind of thing. Uh so, yeah, I, I enjoy the short stories. Usually my short stories, where most of my novels are thriller, kind of fast-paced, uh, uh, things like that. My short stories is, are more Twilight zone I'm a, kind of a child of the Twilight Zone, so there's usually a twist in there and a little punch at the end. And uh, sometimes some horror aspects, sometimes a little occult aspect, you know. Now... Are those, you said they were published, are those on your website? Yeah, there's links to, to a few of those on my website. Okay. And, uh, so people can check them out. Also, if you, on my website, you can sign up to be on my uh, email list. And I send out occasional short stories. Uh, uh, I've written a couple poems. I'm not, I'm not a great poet, but I'll share those as well. And, uh, uh, yeah, so if you're if you're on my email list, you can... Check out some of my short stories. Find out about what I'm working on next, uh, where I'm going to be uh, promoting, and I even have a little uh, gift card giveaway at the end of the year. So you, you in, uh, in uh, if you're on the if you're on the email list, you get a chance at 25 bucks from Amazon. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Nice. Hey, Leo, where can they find those links? In the show down below. There we go. <laughs> uh, yeah, as Jeff said, up above or down below, depending on where you're watching or listening to us. And the first link is the Amazon link for Project Suicide. And uh, you'll be right at top, right at bottom. Or to the left. Or to I, the be- right. I beat you to it. Oh, I didn't even see the comment. So No, it's actually a question. He says, oh. um, how do you keep continuity in a story? I know my brain has a hard time remembering every detail that I create. Well, that's, that's interesting. Some people will keep an actual like character list where they will describe characters uh, uh, kind of like an actor prepping for a role. 
and then they'll keep this list and refer back to it. I did that for a while, but I kind of lost track of doing it. Um, mostly you do it through the revision process. You know, you try, I, I sometimes will check back if I forgot something, uh, color of somebody's hair or something like that. Mm -hmm. Usually they're so ingrained in my mind the way I've seen them and put them down the page that that's not much of an issue. But during revision, you come up and find stuff like that every once in a while. You go, wait a minute, that can't happen then because it was supposed to happen in the morning. And so you go back, you say, yeah, and you usually a quick, uh, there's, a, there's an easy fix to it. But that's part of the five or six revisions that you do. And again, good editors will pick that stuff up too. They'll look for continuity as well as grammar, punctuation, flow, uh, unnecessary words, better verb usage, all the all the nifty stuff that you don't think about when you're reading, but really makes a book good. Mm -hmm. It makes it flow. I mean, the uh, I think the only book that I ever read that I literally could not put down was Terry Brooks. I couldn't put it down. The oh, the Terry Brooks uh, fantasy ones? Yeah, the Sword of Shannara. Yeah, the Sword of Shannara, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those are great. Yeah, I read those years ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those came out like '78 or something like that. The for, first one. For me, it was Tolkien. Mm. I read him the first book in high school, and I think I finished it in a week, and wow. got the second book and finished that in a week. Then it was summer vacation, and I finished uh, Return of the King. And then I read The Hobbit, and before the end of summer, I read them all again. So that was that was my favorite book at the time in high school. Mm -hmm. What do you think of them uh, coming out with a uh, new series? Um, actually, I think in like two weeks. I, I, I think it's great. I mean, uh, I loved the movies when they came out. I remember seeing uh, the first one, Fellowship of the Ring, with uh, a friend of mine. And, you know, we watched the whole thing. And when we came out, we just looked at each other. And we both said, I can't think of, ha of how you could do it better. Right. Right. That's, and if they had the same kind of quality in the series, that'd be great. Right. Yeah, because I remember uh, years back, they tried to do a cartoon version of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. That was yeah. 70s, I think. Uh, that, was a, that was a flop. I mean, they just, that yeah. just did not do anything. Well, there, there was two cartoons, right? They did one off of The Hobbit and one off of uh, Lord of the Rings, yes. right? Yes. Right. Yep. Yes. The yeah, Hobbit, I think, had Gandalf's voice was uh, uh, John Huston. Wow. And the other one was <laughs> a lot of the animation was basically actors that they painted over on the film. So it looked mm -hmm. kind of hokey. So speaking of film and writings, well, hold, hold, hold on before you do. I was going to say also, don't forget, Spock did a musical about it. Really? Oh, you haven't seen it? No, Fox did a, a, a uh, uh, Spock. Spock. Uh, Spock. Uh, Leonard Nimoy. If you get a chance, look up Leonard Nimoy Hobbit song. It is. Oh my God! Oh, I heard him sing the song. Yeah, 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 and yeah. There's a. Uh, um, uh, he, there's a whole video production to go along with it. Wow, I did not know that. I knew the song. That was it. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. They made a video. Yeah, it's pretty funny. See what you learn on these things? Oh, yeah. Right, right. Check out. 
So, but what I was going to say is, speaking of movies and writings, do you ever see any of your novels potentially becoming a movie, or even maybe a compiled, a compilation of your short short stories? Well, I think every author would like their not one of their novels to become a movie. Uh, and you guys know anybody, uh, producers, whatever, uh, who wanna want uh, a good property? I'm not as expensive as Stephen King or James Patterson, so <laughs> <laughs> you're getting a deal. At least not yet. Uh, right. Yeah, I would love to see Project Suicide as a movie. I've had lots of people tell me, both with Project Suicide and then with the new one. I have uh, just sent a checkout time. Uh, they read in their, they said, I, it reads to me like a movie. I can see it in my head. And right. that's perfect because that's what you want as a writer. You're creating this movie in your head and you want the reader to also see the movie in your head. Maybe not exactly the same as what you see, but right. the same story, same flow. Uh, and they follow along that way. So yeah, movie, movie would be great. Nice, nice. Well, you said well. You said your short stories more were were more uh, Twilight Zoney. Yeah. So, would you prefer to see those as like a like a Twilight Zone? No, I, I, I think I think the novels, the, the, the fact that they're thrillers and the length of them, mm -hmm. uh, lend themselves good to something in like two hours or two and a half hours, an hour forty five minutes or something. Right, right. I think I think that's true in generally. Otherwise, you'd have to have like an anthology thing, like creep show. Well, right. Yeah, you that's know, what I'm saying. Which was great, you know, but it's also Stephen King. So, you know, you're starting with really, really good source material. Yeah. I think he wrote a lot of that, too. So, True. Yeah. yeah. So, um, as any, uh, if, you know, I'm a serious horror fan. I love horror movies. I, I love reading suspense thrillers and all that kind of stuff. Uh do you throw that little bit of a sexual twist into little parts of it, like a lot of these people do? Sure. I mean, that's to me, that's a that's that's a good thriller. It's I I, I have it on my website. I forget exactly what I said, but it's something like I start off with a uh, uh, a, a rue of uh, action and add a, a dash of uh, of comedy and a little splash of spicy sex you know, because uh maybe not always graphic certainly there's no i don't think there's need for that a lot of no there's no need for that no but uh but yeah it's part of it's it's part of adult reading you know it's these novels not for kids right uh, you know a teenager might like them but they're they're really written for adults right right i mean i remember as a kid the uh you know my parents gave me uh uh, Peter Benchley's Jaws. Okay, yeah. To read, they wanted me to read that for my summertime read. I'm reading it, and I'm like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> there was a whole chapter missing. They ripped the damn chapter out of the book before they gave it. <laughs> this must be the chapter with Hooper and Hooper and Mrs. Uh, yes. What's her name? Yeah, Mrs. Chief. Yes, they ripped it right out of the book. <laughs> I'm like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> Plus, the facing a book. Oh. Right, right, exactly. I'm like, literally, they just whipped the pages out. I didn't know it until I got there. I'm like, okay, there's something seriously missing here. You know, so I, I went out to the bookstore after I finished the book, and I knew which chapter was missing, so I read it in the bookstore. Right. 
I've had it happen where you open an old book and you lose some pages, you know, they, they come tumbling out along with the book lights. But yep. I've not had anybody rip the pages out of that. So. Sacrilege. Yes. No, no offense to your parents. <laughs> <laughs> they were trying to protect me, apparently, by giving me a book about man-eating yep. sharks, but I couldn't see the fun stuff in it. <laughs> they meant well. Yes, they did. Yes. Oh my. Um, so what? What? Uh, if you had a favorite book, what? What is it? Ah, oh, God! It depends on the genre. Uh, my three big authors that I'm most influenced by, and I, I, I love the most. I've read. Well, I don't know if the most, but certainly a lot of. Uh, Ernest Hemingway, mm-hmm. I think he revolutionized American writing, gave us uh, short punch, short punches instead of long, drawn-out purple prose. Uh, Elmore Leonard, he's the king in my book of, of dialogue. I tell people if you wanna if you wanna learn dialogue, read plays, which are just dialogue and stage directing, mm-hmm. and read Elmore Leonard, and then Stephen King. Is uh, he's the master of character. He develops these characters that you learn to love, and then he does crazy things to them. <laughs> and he weaves together these intricate plots. So he's he's Mr. Plot and Mr. Character. And so in each of those, I have favorite books. My my favorite uh, Hemingway is For Whom the Bell Tolls. Uh, my favorite. Uh, uh, Elmore Leonard is probably either uh, the Raylan book or uh, maybe one of his westerns like Valdez's coming. I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for Stephen King, I mean, the first book of his that I read that I really loved was The Shining. Mm-hmm. But probably my the one that I've gone back to and read the most, two of them, 112263 about the going back in time with Kennedy assassination. And a little lesser known one, one of his hard case crime novels called Joyland. It's only about 350 pages, mm-hmm. almost almost a short story for Stephen King. Uh, right. But uh, it's got a little bit of uh, a cult in it, a little bit of uh, murder mystery, a little bit of uh, human interest. It's really a nice, if you haven't read it, it really is a nice read. Mm-hmm. Now, what about the uh, the short works of um, like Edgar Allan Poe? Oh yeah, I mean, I, I love those. Uh, I've read. I would think most of those. I actually had a course in college called Edgar Allan Poe, and we read. Yeah, I took I took one too. Yeah, and that was that was great. I mean, had a lot of fun doing that. I still like on Halloween sometimes uh, at different events. I will read. Uh, dramatically read something like uh, The Casco Amontillado or mm-hmm. uh, The Raven, mm-hmm. uh, Telltale Heart, something like that. Yeah. Nice. Those, nice. Are really, those are really fun ones as an actor to read. Right, right. <laughs> so Jeremy had a question. He asked where you pulled your inspiration from. Um, well, inspiration, that's kind of like acting, asking. Uh, where do you get your ideas from? And I would say that most authors would agree 
that they come from things you see in life and asking the question, what if? What mm -hmm. if you, a giant shark terrorized the coastal community and the chief was afraid of the water? You know, you have jobs. What if you could actually get dinosaur DNA out of a fossil and make your own dinosaur? You have Jurassic Park. My what if for Project Suicide was I was visiting my father-in-law who was suffering from dementia in a, in a, a, a assisted living facility. And so over time, you saw the deterioration. Mm -hmm. And it was sad. And I thought, boy, I know they're working on a cure for Alzheimer's. I hope they find it. And then I said, well, what if they found it? But it had a big side effect. What if mm -hmm. it blocked the gene for Alzheimer's disease? This is a genetic disease. It also blocked an adjacent gene for self-preservation. So as your sense of self came back, so would a sense of self-loathing and suicidal thoughts. And here's the big what if, which really read, led to the book. What if you gave that to someone who didn't have Alzheimer's disease? It'd be hmm. the suicide and assassination drug because they right. would kill themselves. And I thought, boy, there would be no trace really. Nobody could put any blame on you. It would look like a a suicide, an accident kind of thing. So okay, now you're scaring me. <laughs> now, 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 don't tell me that, you know, I'm a suicidal maniac. Now. <laughs> I, I played one. I was Jonathan in Arsenic and Old Lace twice. Uh, so I know how to do it. But. <laughs> As he takes a sip of his water and just smirks. <laughs> I will never having done yeah, so so I've got an interesting question for you. Um, James Patterson does an awful lot of work, and he and he co-writes with a ton of different people. Is that something that would interest you in doing? I mean, as far as like doing it for somebody else, taking one of their their series and advancing it, uh, not really, because I mean, I'm not in. I'm, I'm not looking to try to imitate other people's style. I have a distinctive voice. Uh, you know, when you read my stuff, I think you you know it's my stuff. Just like if you read uh, Hemingway, you know it's Papa. And if you read uh, Stephen King, you know it's Stephen King. Not that I'm putting myself in the same category. but Why not? But I would like to hope. Um, but so I'm not really interested in that. And uh, I'll tell you, like, I was a big fan of Robert Parker's uh, Jesse Stone books. And I read all of those right up to they had one after he passed written by someone else. And I think they did several after that. And I started reading it, and you could tell it was somebody imitating him. Okay. And that just didn't ring true to me. The, uh, like I said, writing is you got to have that certain amount of truth in there. And if it's not there, to me, that, that just wouldn't be worth it. And Patterson and some others, uh, Grisham, I think, that does that as, as well, have been criticized for that. Uh, now they're probably laughing all the way. <laughs> right. Which is fine. They're making money. It's their business. Right. And uh, I'm not going to say there's anything wrong with it. But it's not something I don't think I would want to do. Right, right. No, because one of the other authors that I, uh, uh, I don't follow or whatever, I've read a number of his books, is Dean Kuntz. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
I've read some Dean Cook. You know, yeah. yeah, I love his style. Yeah, he's uh, uh, sometimes his endings are like falling off a table, but yep. uh, but his, <laughs> certainly his plots and characters, the villains that he creates, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that, that that was funny to me. The falling off the table. <laughs> you know, you get to the end of a book and you're like, really? Yeah. That's it. You have a lunch date or something? You just want to finish it? But uh, I remember that in a couple of books. Not all of them that I've read. Probably yeah. read half dozen uh, right but he's uh, a great storyteller oh absolutely absolutely uh, you know but you know kind of like a bad spouse with premature ejaculation at the end you really see it it's that movie in your head thing we're talking about right, right. so uh speaking of movies you say you enjoy watching uh, uh classics and you said you have quite a collection there uh, what, what's, uh, what's, uh, some of the movies you watched recently? Oh, let's see. I watched, I actually did a podcast, uh, about three days of the Condor, uh, with Robert Redford. And so I, I rewatched that probably for about the 40th time, uh, about two weeks ago. And that's, that's a great one. I have certain thrillers I go back to every year, like Mirage with Gregory Peck and the charade with Cary Grant and Audrey Hepburn, and uh, Day of the Jackal, Three Days of the Condor, Topaz, North by Northwest, those kind of things. There's also horror ones that I love, uh, uh, American Werewolf in London, The Howling, Wolf, The Changeling with George C. Scott. That's a fantastic yeah. little horror movie. Uh, war pictures that I love, Hell is for Heroes, Between Heaven and Hell, uh, a bridge too far, you know. I could go on and on. It's every genre. There's there's go to ones that I like to go back to. Tootsie, for comedy, I think that's the greatest comedy. Just watched The Godfather recently, again for like the fiftieth time. Oh, right. did you uh, did you watch the series that they made about it? Uh, no, I want to see that though. Nice. I think that's good uh, about the making of The Godfather. Yep, yep, uh, yeah, absolutely amazing. Now they did a thing about. I'm, I'm guessing it was mid-80s. Uh, I saw it when it was out on television. It was called Godfather, a, no a novel for television. And hmm. they basically spliced together Godfather 2 and Godfather 1 in chronological order. So you started out with young Vito seeing his, his uh, mother get killed and stuff. And then you went up through him going and uh, older Vito at uh, becoming a mafioso and all the way on. That was really interesting. They added some extra footage, uh, some cut scenes, and that was very entertaining. I would love to get that on DVD or something. I'm not wow. sure have it out there. Nice. The uh, I, I I think you would really enjoy the um, I think it's called the offer because uh, it goes into like the inspiration for, for all that, like uh, you know why they filmed uh, in Italy and all the the inspiration behind the book it's just it, it's it's amazing and how uh, the author wasn't considered um, eligible to work on a movie because they didn't hire authors they hired script writers to go right, into right. and uh, so like he was like kind of breaking the mold there it was uh, it's pretty amazing yeah I mean I love that kind of stuff watched, uh, my wife and I watched, uh, I would call them Lucy and Desi, I think, or something, which was a dramatized 
uh, yeah. of, uh, mm-hmm. of uh, Lucy, Ar- uh, Lucy and Desi Arnaz. And, mm. right? and I certainly love uh, things about making movies. I'll watch the little, and that's the nice thing about DVDs is oftentimes they give you a little making of the movie thing, you know, like a 10 minute thing and how they did it and what the actors were talking about and stuff. I, I love that kind of stuff. Right. The behind the scenes stuff. Nice. Yeah. So I know we are coming up on time. So where can our viewers and listeners find this amazing gentleman's works? Well, if you check. (laughs) Smart ass. In the show notes up above or down below. First link there, according to Leo, is a link to the Amazon. I can't wait to get this book and read it myself because it sounds awesome. I love that horror thriller kind of stuff. See now, I'm going to have to go to his website because I like the short stories, the Twilight Zoney type stuff. That's like that's because you got the attention span of a gnat. Well, yeah, that's because I have to deal with you all the time. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing. Short stories they're they're kind of a lost art, but they're wonderful because you know you want if you don't want to delve into a George R. R. Martin 700 word tome. 20, 30 pages, and you're, you've read a short story, you've had some entertainment, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a nice little appetizer kind of thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's me, you know. That's about how much time I have to dedicate to reading. <laughs> it's maybe right, like right. 20 or 30 pages a day if I'm lucky. Yeah. Right. I actually great. just read one. It was called The Viewfinder. Hmm. You know, little things you used to get with a disc. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it was a horror. It was a short horror story. It was awesome. Viewmaster, Viewmaster. Yeah, the Viewmaster. Yeah, the Viewmasters. Yeah, yeah. So, any more questions? Uh, no, we had, we, we had a ton of comments come in. I saw that. Right. Yeah, uh, comments. No, uh, um, I think we got all the questions. All right. Any last questions from you, gentlemen, before we uh, wrap this up? Yeah, I do. So. Are you out doing uh, like signings at bookstores and uh, are you making appearances to promote the book? I'm certainly in the process of that. I've got a, a, a book club signing coming up in Knoxville, Tennessee in uh, well, about a week now, a week from tomorrow. Okay. And I'm trying to work on a deal to get down to a uh, maybe a signing and a uh, radio interview down in Alabama, in Huntsville. And uh, I've got some other feelers out for some book stores in uh, uh, Tri in, in Tri Cities area of, of Eastern Tennessee and in Knoxville and things like that. So I'm certainly uh, uh, anybody knows anybody in the Eastern Tennessee or within a couple hundred miles of Knoxville, I would love to talk about it and uh, get some book signs and uh, meet some readers. Mm-hmm. You know? So uh, mm-hmm. the promotion, the promotion wheel. I'm on that uh, now doing podcasts. So, right, right, absolutely. Excellent, excellent. Very good. Yeah. Well, uh, on that note, I want to thank everybody for watching this fine evening. Uh, for me, just Google Leo Pond. You find a bunch of stuff. Could be true, could be not. I'm not going to say which is which. But I run the Dorkening Podcast Network. We got a ton of awesome shows doing a ton of awesome stuff. Head on over to thedorkening.com. You can see all the latest episodes of all the shows there. And uh, without further ado, uh, John, where do you like people interacting with you on social media? Um, I'm on Facebook. You could uh, you can follow me on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash wwc.johnb, J-O-H-N-B. 
Uh, and uh, certainly you can get on my website and send me uh, a message through contacts uh, there. And, uh, you know, all that's good. Awesome. And uh, we have a bunch of those in the show notes, uh, so you can easily find them there. Jeff Frey. Yeah, just go to stilltoken.com. You'll find out everything you need to know. All our links will be there. Uh, all our past shows are there. If you want to go take a look at those, this one will be up there probably in a couple of days. Um, yeah, tomorrow. so tomorrow. Uh, Facebook. Yeah, tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow. Facebook is uh, <laughs> Token with the Dead. We're easy to find. Uh, just don't Google me. Google Leo. That's what I recommend. <laughs> Well, Leo, there you go, man. He's letting you get Googled. Sounds good. <laughs> but yeah, no, like Jeff said, stilltoking.com for us. We want to thank John for coming out. Make sure you check out his book. Um, I hear it's off the charts, man. And, you know, just go see him somewhere. Get an autograph. Don't be lazy. Seriously. Can I still say something here? Oh, sure. You can say anything you'd like. I hope people read the book. I hope they like it. And if you do... Leave a review on Amazon. That's more important than people think, both from where you're placed on Amazon and other people deciding if they want to read the book. They look at those reviews, they read them. So that is true. That yeah. is yep, I know that I do. A, it's a hundred yeah. percent true. That's one of the reasons why we have a testimonial page on our website for this show. So you all, everybody watching this can go back and read all the okay things people say about us. <laughs> Like where to where where is that damn light switch? Yeah, where's that light switch exactly? <laughs> Continuity. So, to all our to all yeah, keep it up. To all our veterans and first responders, we want to thank you for doing what you do every day so people like us can do what we do. Stay safe. We'll see you next week. Oh no, we won't. We'll see you next weekend. Well, we'll see you next weekend, starting Friday night with live panels. We will be all through the weekend. From Tidewater yes. Horror Convention. We are going to chain Leo to the chair. <laughs> and we'll feed him. We'll keep him hydrated. Don't worry. A couple of and, rum and cokes. He'll be good. Right? And you really want... Yeah, Jeffrey bought me a drink this weekend. How come you didn't? I don't know, because I'm cheap. <laughs> <laughs> what? I didn't know... Hey, listen, if you say to me... I'd like a rum and coke in the middle of the day, Leo. I'll go right to the bar and get you one. I'll never turn down a rum and coke. That okay. or a, uh, what's the one with coffee? I don't know. Oh, a, uh, the Ir an a Irish white, coffee? White Russian? White Russian, yeah. White Russian. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So, but on that so. note. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, John. It's been a pleasure. I'm going to reach out to you personally because I want to get a copy of your book. Right. Um, mine yep. needs to be signed. I don't know how I do that, but I will reach out to you personally. Send me an email. We can make it happen. I will do that. Right. I think right. I'm friends with you on Facebook because I wanted to catch up yeah. with a little yeah. bit before we did the show. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely going to need an autographed copy for the office. Absolutely. So. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. And on that note, we will see everybody next weekend. Again, there's no show on Wednesday. That has been postponed because Wednesday at about this time, I'm still going to be driving. Yes, you will. And I will have my shoes off like you did on the way home from Maryland. My feet will be stinking. And I'll probably be working online. 
we, we don't need to know this. Well, <laughs> close out the okay. show. <laughs> yeah, you didn't do your saying, but I, I yes, I most certainly no, did. Didn't. I did. I, I think I thanked our veterans and first responders, and I told everybody in the state, yes, I most certainly did. Go back and watch it. Uh, See, this well, is anyway, like a, this is like later. a Dean Kuntz book. Bad ending. <laughs> yeah, it's like the brownie kicked in. <laughs> Thank you. Hey! 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 Hey!